Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. When the mask's not adding up, you better check it out. I'm working to the ground. Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard, at P.A. Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. If you like this podcast, check out those other podcasts. Also, subscribe to Patreon. Nah, I can't. Nah, forget it. Um, No guests this week, which is why I have been, you know, allowed to go back to my usual ways and be slightly late with this week's episode. Um, you know, it's what it is. Um, some of that was just scheduling. I have other guests coming on. Part of it's just, I, I miss you guys. I miss you all. I miss just solo shows and me talking. They're a unique experience and a unique challenge, too, because I have no one to bounce off, no, uh, no one to say something for me to react to broadly. And, uh, uh, also, I didn't know what I wanted the subject of this to be. So, um, there's so many different things I've been working on and I wanted to talk about. And uh, it's too many. Uh, there's no focus. So uh, what I've come up with is heuristics. Um, Adam Harmstead, if you don't follow him, make sure you do. Um, football guy's fame, also works with P-Ref a lot, or Pro Football Reference. Um, likes to try to create heuristics, where which are basically slogans that mean more than they suggest, but they're easy to remember shorthand for co- more complex ideas. Um, I've always liked the idea, and he was tweeting about it the other day. And I was talking to him about it along with everyone else. And um, that's the idea that just settled on I want to focus on that in this episode. Because I have my own, and they all revolve around a theme. There's a number of different common ones when you start talking to other people. Um, But it's draft season. If not draft season right now, it's coming up to draft season. Scott Fishball's about to kick off. Lots of other things. I'm about to start a league that John Bosch... um, Yeah, I signed up for a John Bosch league. That tells you all you need to know about my intelligence level. Um, they're, They're always involved, shall we say. They're not the vanilla format I tend to like. Um, But uh, the whole premise of it is everyone can select anyone from that round if they have any pick in that round. So if you have a first round pick, you can select everyone from Christian McCaffrey on down to, you know, whoever's pick 12 in ADP these days. Devontae Adams, Kunda, DLF, and Dynasty League Football ADP. Um, they're using slightly unique Superflex um, ADP collected by Kevin O'Brien, the FF engineer. Check him out and his podcast this week. It was also awesome. Um, but uh, it's a unique challenge because you have to look at the... Everyone gets access to the same players. And so there's really no excuse. And also there's been a lot of trading. You know, I I have two second, six round picks and... I think two seventh round picks and no fifth round pick. Um, and the ultimate goal is to get as many top eight round picks as you can because then you can completely stack your team more than you could ever do in a real real draft or a regular style 
list. But um, the reason I signed up for it isn't all that complex and interesting scoring format fun. It, I thought it was a really interesting concept that you can take anyone from around, and everyone there's going to be multiple copies of every player in every round. And just to put yourself on the line to say who out of these 12, instead of talking about a range or how much you like their this or their that, or I'm not low on them, but because so much of fantasy, when you really get into it, is that it's I'm not I understand Brandon Ayuk. I think he was a great rookie, so on and so forth. I'm just not taking that bet. And since I don't like to straw man or sell a line on, I know that this guy is great Um. I don't get to do that a lot, frankly, um, and this draft kind of forces you to, which got me back to the heuristics. So here are some of the slogans, the, the shorthand for complex or more thought out ideas that I came up with while thinking about my draft. And then I'm going to go through the draft board using current Dynasty League ADP and try to talk through the rounds a little bit and highlight certain players that I like more than most. Um... And I think that'll be like an episode of a podcast or something. But let's find out. Uh, so the first one's undrafted free agents matter. That doesn't count. You all know that. About 27% of top 24 seasons or fantasy relevant seasons from all positions come from undrafted free agents. Suck it, draft capital snobs. Second one is a mystery box should come with insurance because I think I'm funny. But also, um, if you're taking the upside in a player... I like that. This originally started out as avoid the mystery box because on Kevin O'Brien's podcast, another thing that hit me this week is he asked his guest, Chad Parsons, to sum up his dynasty strategy in a sentence. And the first one I thought of while listening along was avoid the mystery box. Like, I don't like trading for stuff that might not be real. I don't, I want the boat, not the mystery box to go to the family by meme. Um, and so much of my fantasy choices and decisions and rankings come from that premise that that's just where it's at. But it's also like, I don't want to reach for upside. You have to be bold and not be sold a line. That's the entire process of uh, finding points of value. So it, that became the mystery box should come with insurance. It's that simple. If I'm trading for Jalen Rager this year, for example, who I think has a lot of upside based on his college profile, I literally hate him now. Not literally. Uh, figuratively? No, not even figuratively. I just think he's more likely a bust now after his first rookie season because NFL stats and NFL starts are more predictive than all college metrics than I did last year. And that means it has to come with insurance, like a lot of insurance. He has to be worth less than what he is right now in Dynasty ADP and less than a first-round pick because he's now a worse bet than he was when I drafted him with a first-round pick last year. Same with Brian Edwards this year, for example. And when a player drops in ADP on Dynasty League football by a full round as a wide receiver, Based on research I did for my recent article for them, 94% of those players fail to ever produce a top a score or any fantasy-relevant scoring season. And the uh, 6% is basically just Tyler Boyd, and there was literally no reason to fade Tyler Boyd. Uh, that was the weirdest choice we as a collective ever made in Dynasty ADP, like, ever. Anyway... So uh, that's all kind of built into <laughs> apparently uh, the mystery box should come with insurance, but it applies in a lot of other situations too. I also got the only good narratives come with withers uh, because they do. And um, situations change. There's a variation on a theme on this one. I don't 
really mind that you think that team's not going to be good this year if I know that player is good. And players that could apply to right now is still Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, as he's still listed in some places. I still think he's a very good player. So I'm not out because the situation can change remarkably rapidly. Same with bad players or players that I think are bad in good situations, for that matter. Uh, The guy who sucked probably sucks, and the inverse is also true of that, but I really like that heuristic because it sounds very much like me, and that, again, goes to Jalen Rager and Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs and all of them. I don't care how many Dominator ratings you want. I've looked. I get it, but they sucked. They're probably going to keep sucking. We sell ourselves the line that everyone else is low when really we probably just want to be higher than we know we should be. And and I'm finding that to be much more common as the years go by than our shared belief that everyone else gives up too soon. In fact, you probably don't give up early enough in most cases. Um, What's the other one? Uh, I'm playing with this idea recently of above-average rookie wide receivers and below-average rookie running backs. It's not like I don't want above-average running backs year one, but... Uh, combining this with something I found out based on my breakout research, this my re-research of my breakout article series and republishing with DLF, and um, players tend to break out at level. Not always. You don't want to imagine that it can't happen. But if they break out to be a top twenty-four wide receiver, they're probably a top twenty-four wide receiver. Like um, a significant but much smaller percentage of players. The number I forget right now have a top 24 season and then go on later to have a top 12 season. But that's the least common form of breaking out, especially in the first three years of a player's career. If a player breaks out into the top 12, they're much more likely to break out into that level than break out into the top 24 and then into the top 12. Or at least that happens more commonly. And so combining those two things... um. I I think I want above-average rookie wide receivers and below-average rookie running backs because lots of running backs that break out in year two, um, which is a less common breakout category for running backs. Most running backs who are going to break out into the top 12 happen in year one. But there's an interesting kind of slide on that in terms of commonality, in terms of how often we see second year and uh, third year even running backs break out on a year-to-year basis. But that's probably a subject for another show because I haven't finished that research yet. But the Zach Mosses of the world this year, like he disappointed and he's dropped in fantasy value, but he didn't really disappoint. He was drafted into a committee onto a team with a heavy rushing quarterback. Like that's still true going into this year. And he didn't do much more than you would not expect, if that is a sentence, in his first season. Like um, we should probably still think of him as we did, and this is also coming on from I've argued vividly, yeah, vividly will do, with Cam Akers truthers, and that he was below average for players who go on to have a top 12 season in terms of his total opportunity that season. That is true. Want to know something weird, though? Like, most breakout, second-year breakout running backs kind of fall into that category. 
38%, 37% opportunity score is not that uncommon for players who break out into the top 12 in the second and third seasons. And that got me thinking about the nature of running back breakouts, where running back is much more about a co-opting of the volume. Obviously, where most break out year one, that's what we tend to target. But if we're talking about players that didn't break out, players that got the volume and then missed that top 12 threshold, we more likely just saw what they were with the role we hope they could earn, as well as a pretty good idea of the role that they can earn. And this takes me, keeps me off the Antonio Gibson train. He, it very much reminds me of Kerryon Johnson, even though there's extra noise around Gibson in that he was a wide receiver or more of a wide receiver in college, so he's learning his skill set, which again, the only good narratives come with wizards. I'm not interested. Um... So we probably just saw him with and saw him earn the workload he can earn, and it was great and it was impressive. And it has fringe top 12 upside, which is exactly where we're drafting him right now. But expecting him to co up more of the volume when we already saw him play the role that he can or could earn, apparently, is probably less likely than Cam Akers having a below average opportunity share, but it being um, in a smaller part of the season for a second-year breakout into the top 12. Like, that's more common at running back as the reverse is um, of uh, the commonality for wide receiver breakouts, which is makes... I mean, it's always going to make sense we make the narrative up after we find out what actually happens, and that happens fairly commonly. Now, you do have the exceptions to that rule, the ones that break out year two but have higher opportunity scores, tend to be Le'Veon Bells of the world. He had an exponentially high opportunity score year one but didn't quite crack the top 12. Um, And if you remove him and some others that did that, again, the common feature is those that have below average opportunity scores are more likely to be second year breakouts. Now, having a below average opportunity score doesn't make you likely to be anything. You're below average. But if we already believe in their profile from college and we saw them earn some of the role for part of the season, even though I still have split takes, and that has to be a heuristic here somewhere, um... Anyway, I think I've made my point here, and I didn't mean for this to be the whole episode. But yeah, below average running backs become a very interesting value proposition, considering that we know more players break into the top 12 at running back from outside the top 36. And below average running backs, and frankly, this still applies to Keyshawn Vaughn as well, who was definitely overdrafted this year, last year, um, is now almost being forgotten. Um, And I don't think it's going to happen either, but there's, it's still the same proposition. The fact he didn't earn that role year one is actually common. Um, if we're talking about the group of players who eventually do it. I just think he's underscored, but there you go. Um, where was I? Uh, that's just a personal note to myself. Roster more running backs. Roster space has value. That's a very old, tried and true one. Value only buys points. That's that's a me one. Um, obviously, you can buy more value and you can roll value forward and fluidity, a liquid value is a thing and we like to throw a lot of marketing terms around. But at some point, the only thing that is for sale are players that might score you points. And I like to keep that in mind. Dynasty is churning a roster, not creating one. Um, That goes back to what I think the difference between Dynasty and Redraft is in essence and the core mistake we make when we start getting interested in Dynasty. We think that it's about creating a young roster that's going to dominate for decades. No, it's about 
churning that roster year over year in a way that continues to keep you winning or in the playoffs every year top two get into the final and that's all about managing your roster well churning your roster rather than creating a good one and the next one I, I haven't perfected this one you're a spectator that's my slogan and it's not it's not there yet I started off with you're the you're the better not the jockey but then I was like why am I talking about horse racing look you, we set up our pieces and then the games play out literally we're just fans watching we try to build the best roster and manage the best roster in the best way we can in redraft and in dynasty and in best ball and everything else but our ability to affect whether we're going to win any game or any number of games in any season is basically a fiction you have to put yourself in the best position to do it but our ability to control what's actually going to happen once we set up the pieces of the mousetrap game and let we like losing using a live mouse in mousetrap no that's not it but you see what i mean we set up the roster and yes we manage it in season in many ways and you have to make waiver wire claims and you have to get better at trade offers pete but ultimately we make the best bets we can and reality unfolds the way it's going to we have relatively little control over the game itself. We're ex- we're spectators to our own sport, hobby, game, whatever it is. Buy sophomore tight ends. I just think that's a good banner. I think that would look nice somewhere in a hall where people like to gather and play fantasy football. Um, players t- tend to break out at a level, but I already said that. Uh, always be selling running backs because that's, again, a good slogan. So I thought I'd throw it in the end here. Sell top 24 running backs, which I've preached a lot in this channel. It's now called the running back dead zone. So it's actually popular, I guess. Um, and then one about how splits are evil and you shouldn't use them that I haven't written yet. All right. Um, those are my heuristics. Those are the ones that came to mind. Let me know if I'm missing any, if any don't make sense, or... If I'm missing anyone, please let me know because shorthand is really useful to a. I find it really useful to an idiot like me being able to keep something in mind while I'm looking over, say, a draft board and pick out my favorite players or the players I would select above everyone else or that are the targets, la 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 la. Um, I found them remarkably useful. So going to Dynasty League ADP. Um, let's talk some through some rounds here. I actually have built a draft board using current. Uh, DLF 2020 um, ADP. I can also switch it over because I learned how to do drop down manuals in Excel. Fake nerd. Um, uh, anyway, where was I? Um, and so I have a draft board and I was just looking through round by round. These are the 12 players you have to choose for. Which ones stand out? Round one's relatively easy. It's Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. I hear they are getting talked down in some circles. Um, don't do that. I guess I'm actually I didn't include Dalvin Cook and Jonathan Taylor and Alvin Kamara because I have more concerns with those guys. It's not just age. I do like running backs and the come up and all that stuff. And um, but Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey have been different level of opportunity players, different level of performance players on that opportunity than all of those guys. Jonathan Taylor hasn't shown showed the, again back to the heuristic rule. He kind of had the role last year. And he didn't get involved in the receiving game, which means I think he's a top 12 running back. But the idea that he's a difference maker like McCaffrey or Saquon, I think he's in the first round, like the second pick overall right now, mostly because he's young and it's dynasty. 
In fact, there's some interesting comparisons between redraft and ADP, which I put in here, which is basically if you're looking at a young player, listen to dynasty ADP. And if you're listening, talking about an old productive player, listen to redraft ADP. And I think there's some edge there. But anyway. So, um, Chris McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley stick out to me. Also, Justin Jefferson. Uh, Ryan McDowell put a tweet the other day asking, who, if the top three running backs are gone, are you drafting? And my first thought, and still continues to be my thought, is how is it not Justin Jefferson? I do think he regresses somewhat. Last year, it's pretty much the best rookie season from a wide receiver we've ever seen. We've only seen, like, three rookie seasons break into the top 12 ever, three or four. And... And he is the best in terms of opportunity, performance, and opportunity overall points. It didn't have the catch of Odo Beckham's season, which is the only one that really compares. But he was actually better in some ways and worse in others, which you value more. Either way, it was an amazing rookie season. And even if he regresses a little bit, like he still should be great. And he's as young as young can be, and he's got all the hype. So I think that would insulate his value if you're worried about value with some regression. Like, there's no reason to project him for less in 2021. My only concern with Jefferson is that he's very good on an aging team. I don't think he's particularly well-managed. Dalvin Cook's aging. Adam Thielen, while awesome, also aging. Like, good players help good players, and he could lose some good players soon. Christian Kirk is a question mark. Team seems pretty invested, but we've also seen a lot of turnover at quarterback lately, and almost no... I guess Christian Kirk is a... a Kirk Cousins is a veteran at this point, which is just scary. I remember him as a backup to Robert, the third backup to Robert Griffin the third. But anyway, I guess I'm old now. So that's really my only concern with Justin Jefferson. And again, situations change. So that can also be a negative thing for Justin Jefferson. But there's really no other play in this first round that stands out so clearly to me. Now, I like, every, obviously, the top 12 players in Dynasty, pretty good players. I like A.J. Brown. I don't like Terry Kill, but you know what I mean? D.K. Metcalf's cool. Cam Akers, I just got done talking about how I think I've convinced myself he's actually a more likely top 12 breaker than I thought. Nick Chubb has been a great player. I think he's way overvalued. I wanted to rank. I wanted to like him this year, and people are drafting like Kareem Hunt doesn't exist anymore, and he's four years younger than he is, and he's not. So, yeah, that's a really, that's that's a fade in the top 12 for me. Um, Devontae Adams, great great ADP, great value ADP as well. But just didn't, uh, like, if I'm picking out the players I want out of this round, I'm trying to keep as short a list as possible. And it's McCaffrey, Barkley, and Justin Jefferson. Um, round two, rookie running backs this year, like, everyone hates them. Like, again, this is one of the things I found when I competed to redraft ADP. Like, we're fading Najee Harris and Travis Etten and Javante Williams into the second, third round, which is fine because they're not Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott prospects, but they're towards the end of both those second and third rounds, and they just seem like clear values in best ball, in dynasty, especially given the upside. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I'm told, disappointed last year. I don't feel that way, but he dropped to the third round. Like, is that the floor here? Um, they just seem like really clearly good value picks, especially in Dynasty where running back's harder to get, and I might be drafting Jeff and Jefferson earlier than that, so I need some running back somewhere. Um, Calvin Ridley also, although since he is a little older, even as a 2018 wide receiver, he came in a little older. Um, I don't mind that, but I know Dynasty will, and keeping one eye on value, which I want to use to buy points at different part, point parts places in my dynasty life and I, I do want to keep an eye on that and the fact that Calvin Ridley was a top 12 last year and still has only hit the back end of the second round 
Um, I don't know how high he can climb. Stefan Diggs is a first pick in round two. Like, that's probably as high as he can climb because Dynasty strongly slides towards value. Now, obviously, Devontae Adams is in the first round still and still in the back end of the first round despite being older than both. I, I, But they haven't done what he's done this far. And I just don't think there's no much value upside in either of them, even though I clearly... They belong in this round, and I don't hate them. They just don't stand out as, you know, clear dynasty values and upside and all that heebie-jeebies. And I'm not saying Jondra Swift. I'm not. I, I still don't believe it. Um, J.K. Dobbins, I don't think he's overdrafted there. I get it. You run out of young running backs that were good on good teams at some point. And so I get it at the end of the second round. But, yeah, yeah this is why I sell top 24 running backs, right? Joe Mixon, same thing. And um, moving on to round three, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Again, he's fallen to the third round, and based on some of my research, even though it's not finished yet, I do have to lower something of my expectation going into 2021. Like, maybe top 12 is out of the range of outcomes. But that situation is great for everyone. And he was good last year, no matter what anyone tells you. Um, and it wouldn't take much for touchdown variance to swing his way, or an electric receiving work. But I still really like him. I really like him in the third round, um, even in Dynasty ADP, although there is a lot of variance in that, since if he has another good year that everyone hates, the, the, he'll, he'll, he'll fall. Um, the players that stick out to me here, outside of the rookie running backs, is Travis um, Etienne and Javante Williams. There's also Terry McLaurin. Like we, re- we raised him in ADP, but not as much as Calvin Ridley for some reason, despite doing it in a much worse situation. Like, I don't get that. Also, Terry's a slightly older prospect, so there's not a lot of value upside here. This just seems like a really clear production bet at a decent ADP, and he's going to be around for a while, no matter how old you think he is. So, Terry McLaurin in the third round just seems like a steal, and same with Michael Thomas. Uh, situations change. Drew Brees just left. Situation will change again. I'm, I'm not worried. I've found a talented player going... Um, two rounds probably uh, below what he should in the third round, so I'm pretty happy with that. Um, fourth round, DJ Moore, Cal- uh, Calvin Ridley's ended up in here again because I didn't format this right. That's interesting, isn't it? Oh, God, I suck. All right, just taking a minute. Uh, DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, um, and Keenan Allen all fought to the fourth round in ADP. Um, all of my heuristics say that's great. DJ Moore is actually being drafted now where he has been producing, which is wonderful. Chris Godwin's now being drafted where he has below the heights that he's hit, which is also fantastic. For two very different reasons. They have top 12 upside, although at this point I think it's less likely that they do that. Um, in 2021, but they're young, they're good, they're proven talented players falling in ADP because people like new shiny things. Um, I hate new shiny things, and that's also why I still continue to like Keenan Allen as one of the best wide receivers for fantasy in the league. Fifth round, T. Higgins, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. I do think these have a top 24 ceiling as wide receivers, but there's no running backs drafted in this round, so there's no really reason to fear positional ADP. TJ Hawkinson and Kenny Galladay are being drafted in those this round as well. And I think they're dynasty-wise the difference makers that could really happen. TJ Hawkinson can have another good year and people will notice this time. And he jumps up to where all these other tight ends are being taken. And um, at least one, two rounds above him. 
And there's no reason he shouldn't do that in 2021. Kenny Galladay, I'm really interested in that dominant wide receiver on a team that's shown a top 24 season upside. But, like, maybe there's upside. He is on the good player list in terms of transfers in this manner. Um, and that has some upside. Like, he could be getting drafted below his ceiling, for 2021 at least, because he has had a top 12 season before. Um, again, where Chris Godwin did it and then he's fallen, um, it becomes slightly less likely that that is their actual level. But, I mean, top 24 floor around here is pretty interesting. Um, TJ Hawkins and Mark Andrews are offering great positional value in the fifth round if you really want to shoot for an individual year difference maker at a different position. Julio Jones is in here, and I like him, I just think in Dynasty, like I like him for this year, but in Dynasty, spending a fifth round pick, it's the fifth most valuable asset you'll ever have on your roster, um, it's just too much, it's just too much in Dynasty, it is, and um, obviously I'm on team old guy. Uh, so, uh, sixth round, moving on. Uh, the clear difference maker in this round, for my, and we're deep into the running back dead zone here, um, is Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm just going to keep saying it until you believe me. Like, that's horrendous. Uh, sixth round pick for Juju Smith-Schuster. Yes, all day. Um, Cooper Cup's also in here, just if you're looking for production. Um, Tyler Lockett and Odell Beckham all offer interesting value propositions here as well. Um, as far as the, the dynasty, maker though it's got to be Juju Smith-Schuster he's younger than pretty much everyone in the round above him and he's either either the same age or or younger than everyone in the round above that and he's had a top 12 season and he co-opted more of the volume and had more fantasy points than all the other wide receivers on the team last year and he has the lowest ADP like um yes yeah it's Juju Smith-Schuster in round six um, round seven, uh, this is where I'm getting less concerned with age. I'm happy to draft value and points around here, even in Dynasty. You've got James Robinson. It feels like we haven't fully adjusted for James Robinson and Tra- uh, Travis Etienne yet. Um, in redraft, it's even worse or even better, depending on how you look at it. And that James Robinson still has, like, he's the stud or ADP, which I, I love James Robinson, and he's not anymore probably um, but Adam Thielen and Tyler Lockett also exist in this round um, which round am I talking about round 7 where's Tyler Lockett why can't I see him uh, they've been some of the best wide receiver values uh, for the last couple of years and continue to be. Um, as far as difference-making dynasty guys, Debo Samuel's an interesting 7th round pick um, Cooper from DLF put it to me that Debo was Michael Gallup from last year, but he doesn't have as far to fall. Last year we were drafting Gallup in the sixth round. This year we're drafting Debo Samuel in the seventh round. Um, and again, Michael Gallup beat expectation last year and dropped around there because it was the right time to sell him last year. But there's less far to fall, and I think I th- uh, we'll talk about him another time. I think there's upside in that ADP. Um, but the dynasty difference maker that I see in this round. Oh, Tyler Boyd's here as well. Yeah, he's definitely a buy. I like a lot of these round seven players now I think about it. Um, Elijah Moore and Rondo Moore are in here as well. And they offer, for me, the best upside picks in Dynasty ADP. Seventh round players I definitely think are as decent as prospects as several wide receivers going above him. And even in rookie ADP. Uh, like Devontae Smith, like I like Devontae Smith a lot, but I think Rondell Moore and Elijah Moore are a lot closer to him than this ADP is suggesting. Um, eighth round, it gets a little weird. I think one of the best values around here is Dallas Goddard. 
I don't know. I don't know why, but we don't like him very much. Um, uh, and we should. He he went ahead and did it with Zach Ertz on the team, even though Zach Ertz never got traded. I got that one right too. But also we've got Will Fuller in this round. Jalen Rager's in this round, but again, I've, as I've already said, I need a deeper discount than this because um, the mystery box has to come with insurance. Round nine. Uh, Mike Davis, Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry, Corey Davis are all going in this round. They're obviously all 2021 production bets, um, but that's kind of what we have in this round. Jarvis Landry is another one. There's very little dynasty could be in the top 12 last year, as you'd expect with pretty efficient ADP um, going. And in fact, that exists at quarterback, which is not a position I focus on a lot, but Trey Lance and Jalen Hurts are going here. Logan Thomas, maybe. Mike Gusecki's in this round nine as well. I think we've kind of seen Mike Gusecki's heights, but maybe not. I'm a big fan of Tua and Will Fuller um, in round eight, so perhaps. Um, the biggest value difference maker, I'm just going to switch over to that column because I realize how long I'm running on at this point. Um, in round 10 is Evan Ingram. Like He would be the player I focus. Marcus Brown isn't too far behind, followed by Zach Moss. And at this point in the draft, I'm usually heavily looking at running back because I am trying to roster more running backs. Um, just in general, uh, throughout my my process is very heavily wide receiver and tight end, obviously. But um, Donald Mooney's going in here, but this is kind of the reason I'm not heavily focused on him this year. I really like Donald Mooney as a fourth, fifth round pick um, and what he did last year. But he's going in this range of ADPs where I'm like, oh, Zach Moss is falling to a decent value. Marcus Brown has already been the wide receiver one his team, just in case um, Rashad Bateman isn't even better and co-ops even more on the volume. Um, Marcus Brown should still be a pretty good value there. Um, and Evan Ingram is a tight end getting 20% of the team's opportunity consistently year over year. And if they can just score some touchdowns, like uh, that would be a great this year and f- moving forward value, um, even Dynasty. Uh, moving on uh, into round 11, Robert Tonyan. Uh, believe it or not, tight end, I know, but he just seems to like the best Dynasty upside and 2021 value outside of quarterback. And to be honest, because Matthew Stafford's going in this range, I did consider James Conner, but no, I haven't heard a lot of um, overhype about the uh, James Conner and running back situation. I think it's a decent value, but if I'm talking ultimate upside in that round 11, I really like Robert Tonyan. That's the one I landed on. Um, Yeah. Uh, Round 12. I am trying to avoid quarterback here, but in round 12 in single QB ADP, you've got Ryan Tannehill and Tua Tango Vailoa. Like, I think they're easily the best bet to exponentially grow in value from this round 12. Um, you can't see it, obviously, but I do encourage you to go look at Dynasty League Football ADP, or I guess follow the description that I'll put in the notes to like my sheet where I have um, the draft board so you can see it. Um, round 13... This is another mystery box should come with a discount, but this come it's coming at a discount. Uh, Brian Edwards in round 13. Uh, yeah, the only two players in this round that I think even have great potential at this ADP. Um, Dynasty-wise is Brian Edge and Ramondo Stevenson, so I'm happy to take Brian Edwards at that point. Round 14, Chubba Hubbard. Again, Christian McCaffrey's handcuff doesn't mean much, but we start grabbing those handcuffs, and I do think he was a bit better in college um, than consensus seems to, or the NFL seems to think he is based on where they were drafting him. Uh, round 15, Philip Lindsay stands out. Again, focusing running back, but everyone else in here is... 
marginal streamable upside. I don't believe Traquan Smith is going to happen. Or Van Jefferson. Josh Palmer's fairly interesting. But I'm trying to stop rostering deep wide receivers just for the hell of it. So I land on Philip Lindsay. Round 16, Elijah Mitchell is getting drafted. That is a very easy pick for who has the upside in that round. Round 17, Talon Wallace. And there are other picks in here, like Sterling Shepard's much more likely to produce. Tutu Atwell's in this round, and I'm really interested in Tutu Atwell with second-round draft capital. But I'm really interested in what Baldwin was doing in the receiving game, and he was a really interesting deep wide receiver. Now, do remember I'm trying to avoid adding wide receivers at this point, but when it comes to a choice between Tutu Atwell and Jacoby Myers on the Keel Harry and Taylor Wallace, I don't want the Keel Harry anymore. Tutu and Jake Kobe definitely have a much limited, more limited ceiling, and Taylor Wallace has a higher ceiling with less likely to get to it. So Taylor Wallace is where the upside is. So that's how my mind works anyway. Um, round 18, it's Javon Hawkins just sitting there right next to Giovanni Bernard. But if we're talking dynasty, Javion has a little more potential based on his age. And you've also got some uh, fun grinders like Larry Roundtree, I guess. Keyshawn Vaughn's fallen to the 19th. You see what I mean about a certain point? And I was never a big believer in Keyshawn Vaughn, but that's interesting. 19th round when he didn't do much more than plenty of rookie running backs who go on to have at least some fantasy production, like a lot of people liked him last year, right? And that's just, that's the mystery box coming with insurance right there. Malcolm Brown is an interesting name I keep coming to. He has one of the highest his like opportunity shares for a backup running back in his history um i don't know how much that means but it's really interesting considering where he's rostered and he has had held a larger share of an offense um, and of a good offense than most rookie running backs uh tyler johnson similar tyler wallace pick they're all called tyler i guess um in that I think he has more ultimate upside. And at this point, that's purely what I'm focusing. You do have Chris Evans at running back as a rookie. And Joshua Kelly, who again, kind of had a decent opportunity share. Kind of, sort of, maybe. Um, Daryl Williams is everyone else's favorite sleeper. So I just chose someone else. And uh, Round 22, it's Talon Hill. Round 23, Tim Patrick. Do not care. Literally don't care that I like Jerry Judy and I like Cortland Sutton and there's no way that quarterback in that situation can support even one top 24 asset. Do not care. Tim Patrick shouldn't be around 23 pick. That's just plum disrespectful. There's also Marcus Valdez Scantling, but screw that. Tim Patrick, right receiver 112. You, yeah, you haters. Even lower than that in round 24. Travis Fulgram, really? Wide receiver, 115. Like, just, just, just screw this ADP. And um, that's crazy. You know, you know who you've got to choose between to get Travis Fulgram, the wide receiver one of the Philadelphia Eagles last year, Mark Ingram, or David Mills in one quarterback leagues, or or or, or Jordan Atkins, or Ty Johnson, or Mo Ali Cox, who actually don't mind as a deep tight end ad, like. No, I really like Talon Hill in this round as a as a player I would draft and add to a dynasty team round here. But Travis Fulgram, like he could still be the wide receiver one since he was the last time we saw the team for the Philadelphia Eagles. Like that's just silly. Round twenty five, Zach Reed will be happy to know that Jacob Harris is literally the only player dra- drafted in that round per current dynasty league football ADP that I have listed. So it's Jacob. Jacob Harris. I nearly said Jacoby again. I've been talking too long. Anyway, 
I know that as rough and fast, and it's a bit different not hearing me bounce it off someone else. Um, like it's a hot take, but I find this process really interesting just to see which players stick out to you. Um, literally going through the choices you will probably face instead of being able to pick anyone out of a hat and go, I really like Austin Eckler. I do really like Austin Eckler. But in Dynasty, it's a choice between Travis Kelsey, who's definitely going to finish with that positional value, CeeDee Lamb, who's going to be a wide receiver in this league for years, and Austin Eckler, like an undrafted, really cool, really built running back who even if he finishes a top 12 running back this year probably can't beat this ADP like I like him a lot that's a great hot tag take I doubt many people in Dynasty are trading CD Lamb for Austin Eckler straight up though and hats off to the ones that do talk about a winning move and um, anyway uh, let me know what you think um or don't you know you don't have to but I appreciate it and uh like go give some Tim Patrick some love and God damn you for hating Will Fuller so much. And Juju Smith-Schuster in the six. Are you crazy? It's not crazy. That's the thing. ADP is actually pretty good at assessing risk. And and it does make it a challenge to look through it. So appreciate Dynasty League Football for putting it out there. And I guess me for building the damn board. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing a thank you speech. Anyway, uh, thanks for checking it out. I'll talk to you again next week. Most likely with another guest. Um, thanks. Talk to you then. Bye. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. Jake got that eye, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.